for the last defender. to the Anuman podcast, the, t- the podcast that lets us talk to ourselves in the past. Today is 11-3-2020, Tuesday, Election Day. So hopefully by the time this comes out, all of you, all of my listeners, all of the people who are, who are kind of coming over to the show, straggling in, all you people who are stragglers and latecomers and whoever else, hopefully you have voted by the time this thing takes place and by the time this is up on Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or um, your favorite, you know, wherever your favorite free podcasts are found. Hopefully you have taken part in the most important thing in our civilization. America was built on the right for us to vote. So get out there. Go do that, man. If you didn't do it, what kept you on your butt? You should have either early voted, casted an absentee vote, or gone to the polls and social distance, worn masks and followed the protocols and cast your vote. Do not let anything stop you from doing that. So if you did vote, thank you for taking part in our democracy. If you did not vote, shame on you. You know better. You went to grade, You went to school too. They talked about how important that was. So today, I don't really have anything major, super important to talk about other than the fact that it's election day. We've got current president Donald Trump who is running for re-election against, you know, former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, It's been a pretty ugly election so far, one of the ugliest I can remember. Um, Ever since I first got interested in politics, all the way back in my early 20s, I think that's about the time most people get interested in it. I I know as, as a kid in grade school, I didn't care who the president was. I didn't even care that there was a president. I was only worried about whether the Decepticons and were able to defeat the Autobots or whether the Autobots, the good guys, were able to win and fend them off one more time, or only whether or not, you know, uh, the Thundercats were able to defeat Mumra or what G.I. Joe was doing or what He-Man was doing. So I didn't care too much about politics. And I guess, if I had to guess, you're probably like me. You probably didn't care too much for him either as a kid. Um, so, yes, today is Election Day. It has been one of the ugliest, most uncivil Honestly, downright childish elections I can ever remember during the time I've been voting. And so I started voting in 1998 when I turned 18. And I think the the first presidential election I ever got to take part in was the 2000 election. So since 2000, I've been voting. And 
this is the ugliest, by far the ugliest election I can ever remember. Like this is this is not just, and I'm not I'm not talking about in terms of politicians just talking ugly with each other and slinging mud and and saying things about each other. Because certainly presidential figures in history have done some horrible things to each other. If I'm not mistaken, there was even a, a, a one point where. Um, a presidential candidate shot the other guy. I may be wrong. Uh, somebody can fact check me on that if they want. Post it on Facebook. Shoot me an email. Let me know whether I'm right or wrong. Um, so my point is, my point is, hopefully by the time this airs, you guys will have voted. As Americans, that's the most important thing, one of the most important things we can do to make sure that the will of the people is reflected because politics is downstream from culture, right? So if politics is downstream from culture, you get what you vote for or you get what you decide not to vote for. So if you decide that voting is not worth your effort and you're upset by something that the government is doing, just remember you had a chance to get out and go make that change or at least try to make that change and you rationalized and you stayed home and you chose not to try to make that change. Could, you may have won, you may have lost, but you didn't even try if you stayed home. This is, you know, every, a lot of people are probably going to say, well, COVID-19 kept me from going to vote. That's, that's not true. This year, we were given options that we have not had in years past. This year, everybody was capable of casting an absentee ballot. A ballot. All you had to do was request one from most states. I know here in Kentucky where I live. I was able to request my absentee ballot weeks and weeks ago. So I requested that. That came in just a week or two after I requested it, put my marks where they needed to go, followed the instructions, put it in the mailbox, got an email a couple of weeks later from my county clerk that the thing had arrived and was going to be counted. So if that was that easy, you have no excuse whatsoever to stay home. That's all I'm saying. Okay? So those of you that voted, thank you. Those of you that rationalized and used COVID-19 as an excuse to stay home or those of you that just decided, you know, it wasn't worth voting in, shame on you. So that said, let's move along on to the, the actual podcast itself because honestly the topic today will be politics and it's not politics in the sense that we're going to talk about who's better or we're going to talk about who voted for whom or whatever. Uh, I don't care who you voted for. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. Uh, like the program. Subscribe to the program. Let people know we're out there. The more listeners we get, the better The better we'll be able to do with things. Um, some exciting news. Recently, a friend of mine who uh, was also a colleague at one point reached out. She is interested in being on the show. She's currently a doctor and a licensed professional counselor. Uh, so that'll be interesting to hear her take on some things. We'll try to get that in the works. We've been emailing back and forth now for a couple of days. Hopefully we can work out a schedule and then we can nail that down. We'll make that work, uh, using, um, social distancing techniques, zoom, or, or maybe, uh, something else there. There are a couple of programs out there that we can use. And so there's no big use there. And if you can hear my big dumb dog in the backyard barking, I don't know what he's barking at, but he does that a lot, and he's a little bit on the stupid side. Well, actually, he's a whole lot on the stupid side, so he yells at pretty much everything. So if you hear barking what time this program is going on, it's just him. And he's found something that's caught his interest, so he's out there yelling at it a little bit. 
so back to, you know, we've also got not only my friend who was also a colleague, but we've also got uh, a couple of friends who have voiced interest in coming on just to talk about things in general, which, you know, again, they can either come here to uh, the cubby hole and, and talk about things or, you know, we'd be happy to, you know, maintain social distancing like, like everybody else is doing. Um, and, you know, we can use whatever program we decide to use as far as uh, social distancing. So we got some stuff in the works, man. It's, it's actually getting excited. This thing is kind of taking off a little bit. I'm getting feedback from Facebook. I'm getting uh, some feedback through email. I'm getting people who, you know, feedback on LinkedIn. People are actually asking when the next one's going to be. So I, when I first started this thing, you know, all the way back four episodes ago, I didn't think we were going to get this kind of feedback. Um, I was hoping we would, I hope, and I hope we get more. I would love to have thousands of people listening to this thing, not because I want to be like Joe Rogan or somebody, but because I think we all have stories to share, and I think we've all got these things in the past that we would like to talk to ourselves about. And I think the more we share that and the more that we put that out there, the more that that's going to normalize these kinds of things, and people are going to want to go ahead and, and figure out ways to feel better about what might be haunting them or what might be chasing them down or, or the thing that is on their mind when they lay their head down on the pillow at night. I want to be able to make this a thing where people can understand, hey, you know what? I'm not the only one who feels like I really wish I could go back and change this stuff or take hold of that person and say, hey, you know, this is going to be okay. You're going to make it. Or, hey, don't be so stupid next time because this is really going to affect what happens to you for the rest of your life. So thank you to the people who've shown interest. Thank you to... The listeners especially, because without, without the people who are showing any interest whatsoever, I wouldn't even continue this. Or there'd be no reason to because, you know, just screaming into the void isn't really any fun. So if you're a listener, if you've kept up with the episodes and the show so far, thank you so much. From the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. That actually means a lot. And if you've reached out and offered feedback or if you've contacted us through email, thank you because it shows that you're an active listener and that means so much to me. Because this podcast was started with the intent that there would be feedback and that there would be interaction and there, that you know there would be audience participation and things like that. I want you guys to be involved. I want new people to be involved. I want to meet people with this thing. I want people to tell stories that we've never heard before. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. Going forward, moving on, you know, um, like I said, today's topic is gonna be is gonna be politics because today is the the day. Today is the national day. All of the other holidays pale in compared to this one, because this one is the one where you get the chance to buy a show of force. You understand that? Buy a show of force. Just showing up to the polls is an act of force to remove or keep who knows is an act of force to either remove or keep to show approval or disapproval of the current administration and the other politicians because there are other races being run today too not just for president there's going to be you know down ballot races there's going to be county county positions open uh, like school board positions county commissioners magistrates sheriffs who knows and then there's also going to be Congress and Senate races today. 
So there's a lot of important things to vote for. And don't dismiss your community stuff because the community stuff at the end of the day is what will most immediately affect you. You know, who you elect for sheriff is going to affect you on taxes. Who you elect for school board is going to affect you on taxes. Who you elect for your congressman or your senator is going to, you know, in effect, send your voice to Washington, D.C. to represent you, the will of your people. So there's a lot of these races that they may not seem important just because, ah, that's that guy that lives down the road. But it really honestly will affect you a lot faster than what voting for the president will because at the end of the day, he's just one guy with the power of veto or, you know, executive orders. These other people have direct impact on your immediate everyday functionality. So, you know, don't dismiss the sheriffs and the, and the magistrates and the commissioners and the school boards and whoever else. Vote for who is going to, you know, represent what you want them to represent. Don't just go out there and throw a name out. Be responsible. So with all that said, because remember, we talked to ourselves in the past on this program. So I, I want to talk about politics as I understood them as a kid. And that was I didn't. I didn't. And, and chances are neither did you. Right? Because how many eight-year-olds keep up with politics? I didn't keep up with politics. My eight-year-old doesn't keep up with politics. My eight-year-old couldn't give any less of a crap who the president is. My six-year-old couldn't give any less of a crap who the president is. My nine-year-old couldn't give any less of a crap who the president is. My 15-year-old, he cares a little bit, but, you know, he's coming into that age. So I think the first place I want to start today is as chi- is, is in childhood. I've heard some people say, let kids be kids. Don't let them worry about politics. That's adult, boring stuff that's just going to cause you know aggravation. That, let kids be kids. And you know what? I completely, totally, absolutely agree with that. I agree with that. I don't care that it, whether kids care about politics or not. There's really, really some things ought to be left for later years. In life, and politics is one of those things. Uh, sociocultural stuff, that, that's one of those things. Let kids just enjoy being kids. Like I said earlier at the top of the program, man, it, it, as a kid, I was really only concerned, and I'm showing my age here because I was a kid of the 80s, I was really only concerned with whether the Autobots defeated the Decepticons or whether the Thundercats were able to defeat Mumra or, you know, what I was going to do after school if I was going to play outside or what, I didn't care who the president was. I didn't care who my senators and congressmen were. And there's probably going to be some people out there who are going to be like, well, you should already know that. That's a very important thing. Oh, my God. How can you be advocating that that kids not, uh, you know, know what's going on and not be engaged? Because they're kids, man. I was a kid. Let kids be kids. So I don't have any regrets today about not being more involved in politics or more aware of politics as a kid. I knew my mom voted. I knew my grandparents voted because my mom drove my grandparents to vote sometimes. I even went with my mom a couple times to vote. So I knew what voting was. I knew that it was a thing we were supposed to do, and I knew we got to elect our representatives, whether they be, you know, micro-level representatives or meso-level representatives or macro-level representatives. I didn't care. It wasn't important to me. Sue me. I'm a bad person. I don't know. Maybe I was, maybe, maybe it's more that lazy kid thing. I don't know. I didn't care about elections. I thought it was neat because I got out of school. 
I thought it was neat because I saw my mom get to go in the curtain thingy and do whatever, you know, cast a ballot or push a button or whatever. But I didn't care about the outcome because I didn't feel any immediate effects of it. Or rather, I didn't notice that I felt any immediate effects. And I'm sure there will be people out there who will say something to the effect that, you know, the immediate effect was whatever the effect economic effects was on your mom who was casting the vote. So that obviously affected you. Okay, all right, nice work. Calm down. I was a kid. Again, I didn't care. Later in life, in my high school years, I... I, did, I didn't care as much, um, you know. And, and if you cared as a kid, let me know. Hit me up on, on Facebook or send an email, you know, a Newman podcast, E-N-E-O-U-E-M-E-N-T podcast at gmail.com. So, you know, later in life, an adult, I can, I can remember, you know, discussing sociocultural issues with my friends in high school. That was 94 to 98. You know, and and at that time, there were there were certain cultural events that were starting to become more mainstream and more prevalent. One of them, you know, was was gay rights, um, especially here in southeastern Kentucky, which could be whoa, that's still that's still a touchy subject to this day in southeastern Kentucky because you know the rest of the world is living in COVID infested twenty twenty. Southeastern Kentucky has kind of nudged itself into COVID-infested 1996. So we're a little bit behind, it, but it comes from, you know, being isolated, being cloistered a little bit in the mountains and, and uh, not being as metropolitan as some other areas. So, you know, in, in the 90s, I can remember that gay rights was becoming a thing. Civil rights was becoming a thing. There was Rodney King. There was the L.A. riots that were a thing. Um, so, you know, there, there was the civil rights stuff. There was... Um, the Paducah shooting, the Paducah school shooting had just started, so there was talk about guns, there was talk about gun control, things like that, because, you know, Columbine didn't happen until 99. I graduated in 98, so by then I was already out of school. So, you know, politics and, and cultural stuff, although it may have had an effect, we didn't really discuss anything major unless it kind of penetrated our social sphere. And by what I mean by that is, is, is as a teenager, you tend not to see past next weekend. And so unless something immediate happens that impacts you or, you know, makes a wave, uh, then you don't really notice it all that much. I mean, obviously, there are probably teenagers out there who were much more socially conscious and responsible and, and much more tuned in and plugged in than I was who... Uh, were aware of what the president was doing and who aware, was aware of what Congress was doing and probably was aware of all the goings-on nationally, internationally, globally, and, you know, locally, and whatever else. That wasn't me. Was it you? Were you one of those tuned-in, plugged-in people who watched CNN instead of MTV? Because I can tell you it wasn't me. I didn't really get, you know, any kind of serious interest in politics that I was about 21 and even then it wasn't super duper serious and I can tell you why I got super duper interested in politics September the 11th 2001 that's when I got super duper interested in politics because that's when it seriously started to affect me the response to the attacks of September the 11th 2001 
were what kind of perked my ears up to what was going on around me. So from the time I came in the world up until, you know, I was 21 years old, 22, somewhere in that neighborhood, I didn't really care that much. I mean, sure, I, I remember my parents, grandparents, and, and family members talking about elections, and I remember um, them, you know, kind of arguing a little bit about who was better for this or that or who was crooked and how many people went to Frankfurt straight and came, you know, stayed that way or came back crooks or anything like that. And I can remember, you know, some discussions over presidential races. I can remember when Mike Dukakis won. I think I was in third grade at that time. I can remember Mike Dukakis running, and I can I can remember um, asking my mom who they were voting for, and she pointed him out. Obviously, you know, in hindsight now, Michael Dukakis lost that race. Um, I think that was that was when George Bush's first term. But other than that, I remember asking, okay, who are we voting for? Mom says Michael Dukakis, and I say, why? She says, because he's for the working man. And that's one of the things that kind of sticks with you as, as a kid. You know, that's simple, short, straight to the point answers of why is this thing this? Oh, okay, well, here's, here's why. And so that carries with you, and you, you, only, you, know, you only know what you choose to know as a kid. And up until the time I was in my 20s, when I first started taking a serious interest in any kind of politics or elections or any of that stuff, you know, even until I voted in my first election, you voted Democrat because they are for the working people. That's, that's, what, you, that's what you follow. That's what you grow up with in this area in Appalachia because at that, you know, for many, many years, uh, especially with finer, families of old coal miners, the Democrats represented the people who tried to make sure the working man was protected and taken care of, so that's what you grow up with. That's what you grow up voting. Now, obviously, there's a lot of arguments and, and a lot of discussion about who really represents the working man, whatever. That's not what this podcast is, so I won't get into any of that. Discussing, you know, The discussion thus far is basically just about perspective that um, is fostered by the atmosphere growing up. So in my 20s, I started taking an interest in politics. And obviously, I, th I think that's something that a lot of us do. Uh, you know, if it's different from you, let me know. Uh, I would wager, though, your experience is probably close to mine. You know, as a kid, you didn't care much for it. As a teenager, you didn't care much for it. There were things you discussed as a teenager that affected you immediately that you may have discussed with your friends, may have even gotten in some arguments over it. <coughs> But it really didn't kick in for you until later in life when you were probably in your early or middle or even late 20s. And then some people take no interest in, in politics at all. I have family members who couldn't care any less. I have friends who couldn't care any less. And it's because of the way that things are done. It's because... The, the, their reasoning behind not caring and, and actively working to avoid these things is because of just how nasty they've gotten. Why do I want to worry myself with two people or a, a group of people who all they do is lie about each other? 
And they've got a point. I mean, really, can you, can you think of a worse liar than a politician? Maybe a used car salesman. But, you know, car sales guys are at least transparent in their self-interest. You know, you gotta you got to respect that at least a little bit. They're making an honest hustle, whereas politicians are just trying to hustle. So I can see why people would say things like, I, I don't want to be involved with that. I'm out of heart with it. I just don't want to be around it anymore because it's turned into nothing more than just a mudslinging crap fest. And I'm interested to know what the people who believe that kind of thing, I'd like to know where they picked up, like what for them, where was the line when that became their way of thinking? What race or uh, what election year or you know, what politician or whoever, I'd like to know who did that for them. Who was the person that when they saw these, this person or this race or this, this, you know, political race, when I say race, I mean political race, I don't mean, you know, uh, skin color or whatever. So when they saw this political race, what was it in this political race that made them go, okay, that's it, I'm out, I'm done. This, this stuff is just too, too awful for me. You know, what was it? Uh, was it back in the 80s? Was it a local race? Was it um, a congressional thing? I'd be interested to know. And if you're one of those people and you happen to also be a listener, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Drop me a line. Shoot me an email. Uh, let me know what it is, which, which you know, event did it for you that caused you to be like, ah, screw this, I'm out. Nope. What caused you, what caused you, as the gamers to say, what caused you to nope the F out? I would really like to know. So, I think everybody, by and large, picks up, you know, you kind of get wind of, of the political stuff in your teenage years, late teenage years, 18, 19. And then by the time you're in your middle 20s, you're probably at least paying some attention to it because usually middle 20s is when everybody has that serious job and those taxes start coming out, right? So you start looking at those taxes and you're like, man, is this really what I work to do is just pay these things all the time? So you start to have some questions about where they come from and what they're going for. Then you start to do some digging. And then, sure enough, you come up with the answer usually lies somewhere in Washington, D.C. Socks is barking again. His name is Socks, by the way. The big, giant, idiot, half-Pyrenees, half-Siberian husky out back, is, is, his name is Socks. Uh, he was named by the six-year-old who lives in the house, who is now forbidden from ever naming another animal. So, back to what we were talking about. A little drink of water first. I think that I think people are starting to sour on politics. I really do. I may be wrong. I mean, what 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 do you think? I mean, you could tell me um, whatever you think there. I will say that this year, from what I've seen so far, the voter turnout is going to be much bigger than it has been. I know. I do know though that in my particular area, it was pretty weak. We had something like a 29% turnout. That is 29% of the people who are registered to vote went out. Y'all, really? 29%? If you can get up and go to Walmart, you can get up and go vote. 
This, I mean, it's pitiful that only 29% of the registered people in this part of the state got out to go vote. Especially, especially when they were willing to mail you one. Really. Like, you didn't even have to get out this time. All you had to do was send off for it. Like it was a sweepstakes entry or something, and they would have sent it back. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. It just It's frustrating to no end to know that 20, 29% of my people voted. That's pretty disgusting, guys. Come on. Now, we are at the part of the show where we actually do the thing. We talk to our inner child. We go back in time. We do the Marty McFly. We jump in our imaginary DeLorean, take it to 88 miles an hour, take it to the point in time where we would like to say something to ourselves back then, and then we say something to ourselves back then. But you know what? I don't have anything to say for myself about this one. What about you? What would you go back? What would you go back and tell yourselves about politics? We've arrived. Here we are in 2020. We know now the outcome of every single presidential race up to this point. We have witnessed the arc, maybe even the arc of descent of our politics into what it currently is. Politics is a reflection of, of society. The old saying is politics is downstream from culture. So if politics is downstream from culture, that means what we're looking at in D.C., all these things we're yelling about are a direct reflection of where we are as a society, where we've come to as a society. So um, for all of the folks who are like Donald Trump is evil incarnate, he's a reflection of us. For all of the folks who are like, you know, Congress is a bunch of do-nothing, crooked, no-good shysters, they're a reflection of us. So if they're a direct reflection of us, at what point do we become willing to do the work necessary to not make that a poor reflection of us? Are we past that point? What do you think? Because change is hard, especially in the kind that requires introspection and action on our parts. You know, losing weight, this will be a lot like trying to shed some pounds, and that's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Because, you know, the first step to, have, to, to getting over a problem is admitting you have a problem, and that's the easy part. The hard part is the dedication required to make the positive change and keep it going and maintain it over the long term. So we know we have a problem somewhere. Everybody says they want to change it. Question is how? Are we capable? Are we able? Do we have the wherewithal to change these things? So, having arrived in the future and now zooming down the metaphysical highway in our imaginary DeLorean at 88 miles an hour, where do we stop at? How about I stop at my 21-year-old my, my self? Hmm? When I first really started to take interest, I think if I had to go back and tell myself anything, I wouldn't correct myself about anything, really. Because, Paula, you know, learning about sociocultural issues and politics and all that, that's a learning curve. That's stuff you pick up as, as you go on. So, you know, it's, it's just like anything else. You, you know... Start out with a set of ideas, and hopefully, if you're, you know, mentally mature, if a counter idea comes along, you entertain the thought, and if it disproves what you already think, you assimilate the new information, and you form a new perspective. Now, that ain't the case for everybody, because there are still some people out there who got some pretty backward beliefs, you know what I mean? 
obviously if everybody were able to assimilate information and form a new perspective we wouldn't have racists you know we we wouldn't have people um hanging effigies of people of color from trees we wouldn't have you know people who say stuff like well, i don't hate gay people but so obviously there are some people who really have a glorious lack of ability to be able to assimilate information and form a new perspective. And I guess that's just part of the human condition. You're always going to have those people, as sucky as it is. But the good news is, this is 2020, and we have even more people who are willing to look those people in the face and say, hey, you're stupid. Okay? You got issues that you need to work out. You know this is wrong. These, these beliefs don't have any place in 21st century society. You, sir, or ma'am, or whatever, are a relic. Go crawl back under your rock. And that's a good thing because that's, that's just now getting to be something major. So I would tell my 21-year-old self all these things. You know, I would be kind of like the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future all in one shot for this one. And I would say, you know, what you're seeing right now is going to get worse. It is. By, by the year 2016, the political atmosphere in America will be so toxic that millions and millions of people are just going to check out. Don't check out. Don't check out. Keep voting. Keep learning. Keep looking at opinions that challenge yours because you're going to change over the years. You're going to start out one way, and brother, there's long about the time you're 30 years old, there's going to come a realization that's really going to shake you in your tennis shoes. You are going to realize something about yourself that's going to make you go, oh my God, I am a horrible human being. But you know what? You're not a horrible human being. You're just a little bit in the weeds. That'll change. Don't worry. You'll know what, you know what I'm talking about. You'll know what I'm talking about when you get there. And then I would say, you need to prepare yourself for what's getting ready to happen. Um... Because in the year 2016, Donald Trump becomes president. And if that doesn't kill my 21-year-old self of a heart attack or a laughing fit, then I'll sit him down and, and, and I would say, you know, that's not the, you know, it's not the end of the country. It's not the end of an era. It's not a paradigm shift. No, no, maybe, maybe, maybe Trump is kind of a paradigm shift. Hmm. What do you think? You think Trump is a paradigm shift? Shoot me an email. Let me know. Hit me up on Facebook. Let me know. Um, I would tell myself, you know, the country's going to survive. We've survived worse. Obviously, you watched us survive September the 11th when it happened. We're still here. Um, there are things going on that are really awful because that's what caught your attention to start with. But over the course of the next few years, there are going to be some things. And you're going to learn, and you're going to form new opinions and new ideas. And when you get to where you are when you're 40, those ideas will have changed and morphed and just become so many different things all at once that it's going to surprise you to look back at where you are now and think, wow, I really started out as, as basic. I didn't always believe the things I believe now. Did you always believe the things you believe now? I mean, politically and culturally and socially and whatever else. So have you progressed? Have you regressed? Have you, did you start out thinking one thing and then just form a wildly different opinion? Did you start out um, 
thinking one way and meet somebody who radically altered the way you think about things? I've met a couple of people who did that for me. And I'm, I'm thankful that I met those people. And that's probably one other thing I would tell my 21-year-old self is you're going to meet people when you get older. People that you never thought you would encounter before in your life because up till now, you've lived a pretty sheltered existence. And by sheltered, I don't mean mommy kept me under her wing or I never left the basement. I'm saying southeastern Kentucky is pretty homogeneous, you all. Like, there's a lot of white folks around here, and I'm a white folks. So, you know, you don't really get a lot of perspective of uh, people of different races or people of different ethnicities or people of different religions. I mean, I met a couple of Catholics, maybe a Mormon. I never really had an interaction with a Muslim until I was about 34. So, you know, and it's not to say that this place is evil because that, again, that gets back to just where we're a little bit isolated and we're kind of poor, so people aren't exactly flocking to this area for many years, you know. So I would tell myself, you know, you're going to meet people as you get older. You're going to have conversations with people that you never thought you'd be having, and they're going to have an impact on the way you think and the way you see things and the way that you view your country. But you start out viewing your country through this ethnocentric lens of white, working class, Appalachian, hillbillies. And so that will change and morph and evolve over time, and you'll still have those to an extent, but they won't be the way they are now. And that's a good thing. So don't entrench, don't dig in. When something comes along that challenges your perception, ask yourself those questions. Why does this make me mad when I encounter it? Why does this anger me? Why does this make me feel uncomfortable? Why does this cause me to feel like my brain is going to explode? Ask yourself the hard questions. Don't start from a perspective of, um, of I'm right. Sean, start from a perspective of what if he's right? What if I'm wrong? Hmm? I mean, have we? if a lot of people did that, I would think we'd be a little bit better off, you know, because right now... We've got all this information at our fingertips. We've got Google. We've got, we had Yahoo when it, when it was the 90s. Yahoo was the thing then. Or Lycos. You, some of you guys probably ain't going to remember Lycos. So we've got all this wealth of information at our fingertips, and somehow it's convinced us that we're right because we can go look up whatever we want. And very few people right now will start from the perception of, what if I'm wrong? So I would tell myself, always hang on to, what if I'm wrong? What if he's right? Let me go see what it says about what he's telling me or what she's telling me or what they're telling me. What if I'm wrong and what if they're right? How about you? Had you ever considered it from that angle? What if you're wrong? What if they're right? Maybe that's something that you adopt. Maybe that's something you start doing. And if more of us start doing that, more of us start trying to steel man, as it were, the other person's discussion or the other person's points, or we try to just build common empathy with why does this person think the way they think? Maybe that would be better off for all of us. Maybe politics would get a lot less ugly. So, anyway, we're getting short on time. This is, you know, the end of the show. Thank you for tuning in today. If you're a subscriber, thank you. You know, give us five stars on whatever podcast platform you, you find this podcast on. Tell your friends, the more subscribers we get, the more stuff we can do. Look forward to the future when we have more guests on and more topics. Again, if you voted today, thank you for taking part in our country's most important process. 
if you didn't vote today, you got no excuse. You got no excuse. I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. Friends, until next time, this has been the Enuman Podcast, a podcast that lets us talk to ourselves in the past. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time.